There's something outside. What is that? Radio. This is Gunnar Monson. We are got an interesting show topic for you today. We're going to talk about iShine. It's uh, controversial, I guess, but uh, it is something that's reported in a number of uh, eyewitness accounts. With me today is Mr. Shane Hardcore Corson and Julie Wrench. How are you guys today? Doing great. Doing great. Thank you. How's Shane doing? Shane's doing good. Shane's doing real good, other than a few issues today with uh, home appliances. I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that is... Yeah, I hear you. The challenge of home ownership. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Ah. It gets in the way of research. It gets in the way when you're trying to conduct some research and your water heater goes out. Well, research goes out the window and a big purchase comes into the forefront. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. We just had that actually yesterday. We... We had 82-degree weather the other day, and we turned our air conditioner on for the first time for the season, and wasn't working. So, luckily, it was under warranty, but we still had to pay labor, which was yeah. hundreds of dollars. So, yeah, there goes my night vision binoculars for another month. Yeah, and that's the reason. I think it comes down to home appliances. That's the reason why we haven't proven Sasquatch exists. I know. It's Isn't it so? Of... It's like, yes, let's go get these. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, nope. Got to pay for this. Bigfoot researchers actually should just live in cabins with, without running water or electricity. <laughs> if you're yes. really a dedicated yeah. researcher, let's get into this eye shine subject. First of all, have either one of you ever experienced eye shine in the field? Are you tell, talking about unknown eye shine? Correct. Yes, oh, unknown okay. eye shine. Yes, I, I've I've had an experience where the the eyes looked very, very far apart to me, and it was up pretty high, you know, but you couldn't really tell what it was from that far of a distance, but if it was an owl, it was awful large. And what, what color eye shine did was it, Julie? Because we, we get people reporting, like, you know, the entire rainbow of, of colors almost. It was like a pinkish red, and it could be that I had an LED flashlight, so I don't know how that, you know. Factors in what kind of light, flashlight or light source and from what direction it's coming from and what direction the subject's standing at. You know, it could be a lot of different factors. Right. Right. And how about you, Shane? I've had uh, lots of opportunity where I've experienced known eye shine given a light source. Perfect example, it was out in the Tillamook Forest many years ago. One of my first trips out there, which I guess it was probably the only time I couldn't explain what it was at the time, because I couldn't, even though I tried to follow up and figure out what it was, I never did, again, see it. It was more of a, Larry Turner was there. Gunner, you may have been there. I don't remember. But, you know, we were at our campsite, and probably 30 yards away, I picked up 
some eye shine that seemed rather high. Watched it for a while, and eventually it just took off or didn't disappear, but it departed, whatever it was, and I tried to locate the exact spot because it was about 11 o'clock at night, and I never did figure out exactly what it was. It was a more of a like a yellowish-white kind of eye shine, but again, we had the, the glow of the fire. We had our headlamps on. So I think it was just the reflection coming back. It could have been anything. Another time, I've had quite a few experiences like this. Another time we were at the, and we talked about this on the show before, during a limit project expedition, our last one last year, we had a group out on our way to a remote camp. And as we're going past this area, there was this huge clear cut, an old clear cut, but a huge clear cut. It was vertical going up a hill. And one of the guests was flashing their flashlight around and up on this hill, they caught two eyes. And he said, hey, I got some eye shine. And we, we asked him, where is it at? And he uh, had his light right on. And sure enough, there was two large eyes looking down at us many yards away up this clear cut, up this hill. I, I couldn't make heads or tails of it. You know, it didn't look like a deer. It looked at times cat-like. And then at times I thought bear uh, I am the type of person nowadays, instead of going and just going, well, that's interesting. It could be anything. could be this. could be that. I won't scream Bigfoot. I decided to go up this embankment and check it out while the group down below was watching me. And it was slightly uh, wet that night, and I'm going up this clear cut in the dark. I'm trying to go without light, uh, you know, and I asked the group down below, where are the eyes? Because I couldn't see them. It wasn't like some of the eye shine you see people report where it's, it's glowing without any light. But you wouldn't be able to see it without flashing a light on it. So as I'm approaching, I'm getting closer and closer, and this thing starts moving, kind of fidgeting back and back and forth, and it's looking away, and it, as I'm watching with their lights on it, it'll look one direction, and I'd lose it, and then look back, and I'd say, oh, there's the eyes. I'm going the right direction. And as I got closer and closer, I started, I didn't want to get too close because I'm not going to be that <laughs> stupid to walk up on a bear right. or a cat. I, I kept my distance, even though, I'll be honest with you, in this clear cut, there's lots of snags. So I was calculating the risk factor. I didn't want to get tripped up as I was going up the hill. I was tripping, so I wanted to be careful. And as I got closer, whatever it was at the time, I didn't know. I know now, but it started approaching me and coming down the hill, and I started to backtrack. That's when it peeled off to the right and took off. Well, I came back down the hill, and I didn't have an answer. My guess at the time was probably I ruled out deer. I ruled out cat. And in my head, I was pretty sure it was a bear we were uh, looking at right on the, the cusp of this tree line. And so the following day, after we, we set up our camp, spent a night out there, put out our equipment, deployed audio, the following morning we all got up and went back to our headquarters, the OP headquarters, and we were discussing this. And James Million approached me and said, hey, you know, let's go check out where you guys saw the eye shine and see if we can get a better answer. There should be tracks or impressions. And I said, well, sure, I know exactly where this thing was standing and we make the trek back out to this location up the hill it's very it's very steep and snaggy it's very steep and snaggy lots of salal lots of uh, stumps and brush and whatnot and we're going up this embankment we get up to the tree line and we're looking around and we start noticing that, that there was bear impressions and we found claw marks on one of the trunks in fact we not only found large bear tracks we found small bear tracks so it was probably a mother you know a sow and her cub and it was a good thing I didn't get any closer because obviously that's a bad thing you get in between a mother and her cub. Because that night I did hear movement off to my left that wasn't associated with the eyes I was watching. I surmised that I was coming up, coming approaching a mama bear and her, and her cub, and it was a good thing I backtracked. 
doing some due diligence, did figure out that it was a bear that we were watching. But it was really neat because, given the distance, the eyes, you know, they seemed rather far apart, rather large, and it was kind of interesting. But it just goes to show, you know, she was probably a large sow, large mama mama bear. And I was watching us, and the, the, cub, uh, the cub was in the area, and she was not leaving that area because of the cub. And that's why that individual just stood her ground for a while and then departed because the cub was probably coming up behind her, and they, she decided just to, to leave rather than to stand there and, and maybe um, take issue with me. And so <laughs> uh, that was one of the more extraordinary encounters I've had with, with eye shine. But there was a, a known light source, flash, you know, flashlights and headlamps on this thing, and that's the only time we noticed uh, the eye shine. One other quick story, when I moved up to Washington, uh, not too far away from my house, I was camping out on a property, and as I pulled into uh, this, it was basically like a, a vacant lot in the middle of nowhere, and I had a travel trailer. And as I pulled in, I parked, I got out, and my travel trailer light was on. I noticed some eye shine in the bushes, and I went, whoa, that's crazy. First thought was probably deer. I know there's deer in this area, and I'm watching this thing. It's not moving. So I start to approach it with, with a flashlight, and it's still not moving. As I get closer, I realize that it's not a deer. This was pure, almost a, a pure white sort of eye shine. Um, I, you know, as I got closer, this thing took off, and it was somewhat large. It was somewhat large. I could hear it moving through the brush and took off. I never did find any impressions. I don't think it was a deer. Could have been. Could have been a cat, uh, given the area that we were in. And um, you know, it wasn't any sort of cattle. It wasn't a raccoon. Because whatever it was, uh, I, I'm pretty sure probably had you know, sound like a quadruped moving away. But that was really interesting again because it was large eyes, and it was just it was more cat-like behavior to me. But once again, it wasn't a deer. So I'm thinking either a cat, or maybe once again possibly a bear. Though I lean away from black bear, I don't once again know what that was. But I've never encountered, I've never encountered a lot of these eye shine reports where they're a little more questionable. I've never encountered the, the red eye shine, other than owls. You know, owls, you know, especially the hard owl, probably has the strongest red eye out there in the woods. And in obviously an owl, like a raccoon or anything else, will be a lot of times up in a tree. The thing about barred owls is you can flash a light on them, and they won't necessarily look away. Like a raccoon, you put a light in a raccoon's face, it'll usually turn its head. It doesn't want to deal with the light. Deer, deer, for example, will stare at the light. They'll stare at it. That's why they'll stare, sit there for a while. They're trying to figure out if that light source is a predator or is going to harm them, and they'll stare. You know, deer caught in headlights. Uh, that's where right. the saying comes from. That's what deer do. Raccoons usually will turn their head. Barred owls, not in my experience, won't always turn. They'll turn their head, but they'll look right back at it and sometimes just be really stationary. And so I think a lot of times with the eye shine, I mean, not all of it. Some of it's not explainable, in my opinion. There, there's not easily explainable, I should say. I think a lot of times the most common eye shine, especially when it comes to red, is uh, owls in general. Most owls give off between like a, a pinkish to a red eye shine, and it could be dull, it could be strong, it could be kind of medium. But there's, you know, black bears typically give off a red. 
you know, a red ice shine. Uh, the bear, black bear I experienced, um, it, it was probably a little bit red, but it was more of a, a yellowish color. You know, possums give off red. A lot of animals give off a red um, ice shine. Alligator seals, uh, in my experience, I know there's plenty of other animals that give off a red. You know, cats and, and foxes and rabbits can give off a, a red, so an orange ice shine. But it's, you know, usually when the lights, you know, it's, it's when the light's directed at it is when you notice that pigmentation, that color. Um, but there are stories out there that uh, I've taken reports where people have said, well, there was no light. I saw these two red eyes. There was, I didn't have a light on. It was staring at me. They were large or sometimes they were small. And you got to wonder, you know, first you got to question the story. You sure there was no, was it a full moon? You know, what kind of light sources were available outside a house or a campfire, uh, which I've come to know that a lot of people say, well, I didn't have a, I didn't have a light source. You know, I wasn't shining a light around. I said, well, is there a campfire? Well, yeah, well, okay. And then that's probably what you saw was a known animal and the light reflecting off the fire uh, through the eyes. But there are cases where there is no immediate light source. It's, you know, you're talking about the dark. I've never experienced that. Have, have you guys ever experienced anything like that or talked to any witnesses that have said that, that that sort of scenario or setup where there's been no light and they've seen these red eyes or any sort of color eye? Well, I, I yeah, personally I... have not talk, talked to anybody that I would consider credible regarding having a, an encounter with something that had... And I, to me, there's this differentiation between something called eye shine and eye glow. I mean, eye shine is, you know, when you shine a light on a cat in the dark, its eyes reflect back light. Then then there's this, this phenomenon that seems to be unique to some Bigfoot reports. I say eye glow, where in the absence of light, these these quote-unquote eyes show up in in different accounts. And th- those are the ones that are, are most curious. You know, that's... If you got any kind of light source, and you, you're you're probably getting eye ref- light reflected from eyeballs. And it can, like you said, it could be a known animal. And, and obviously it could be a Bigfoot given the right circumstances. It's just one of those things that, you know, people get freaked out in the woods and sometimes they see stuff and, and then attribute it to Bigfoot when maybe, you know, it's there's a process of, of eliminating everything else before you jump to that conclusion. But, no, I have not had any witnesses that described eye, eye shine. That anything that, I, I, I actually was on an expedition one time and standing right next to somebody who's, like, describing eye shine directly in front of us. I didn't see it, and, he, and this person was saying, oh, that, yeah, it's up eight feet tall, and I, I was looking in the same direction. So I don't know how much... Now, sometimes I think it's in somebody's head to get in in their mind that that this they're going to see this and they expect to see it and then so they do. Julie, what about you? Well, I've I've read a lot of reports about red glowing eyes. Being one of the most famous would be the old red eyes up there in New Jersey. You know, we had um, Mike Famila on our show a while back discussing that particular creature. So, and according to the reports. They could see the the shining coming out uh, from the wood line itself without a flashlight or any so- actual light source on it. But then it'd be interesting to see what the moon phase was during those encounters, because if it was a full moon or close to a full moon, that could account for the appearance of of glowing red eyes. 
yeah, I don't think they just shine on their own. You know what I mean? That would be unu- very highly unusual. And that, and the term bioluminescence is, has popped mm-hmm. up as, you know, there being a chemical or some reason that, that eyes would shine in the dark. Shane, I'm going to ask you, is, are there any known primates that, that uh, exhibit this feature in their eyes? I believe, I know Julie was looking into this some more, but I believe there's a certain type of lemur that, that has that, where it actually glows. You know, and really, most, there isn't a whole lot of animals that do. It's mostly deep sea water creatures that give off a glow or bioluminescence. It's uh, not a primate thing. You know, assuming we're talking about Sasquatch here, and I come from the approach that Sasquatch is some sort of hominoid or hominid uh, and primate-like. And so it's not something that is known in science for gorillas don't do it, chimps don't do it, baboons, orangutans. They don't have that. Humans don't have that. Um, I believe it's the lemur that does have the capability and I could be wrong, but I believe it's a mm-hmm, lemur. They do. Uh, that, there's a type of lemur that that does present itself with eye shine. Yeah, and so, but bioluminescence. You gotta when you look at the purpose of eye shine and the purpose of bioluminescence. Underwater sea creatures use that to their advantage. It's a, there, there's a reason they have that. It's to attract stuff, you know. And if if you have a large primate or hominid in the forests, to me personally, if you're if you're giving off bioluminescence, a glow, you're giving yourself away. It doesn't serve any sort of evolutionary, uh, any sort of adaptation that I can see. It's basically a flare in the woods. And if you're you're right. giving your location away, think um, and and if you look at the amount of cases and stories and encounters where people have said they've seen this, it's very minuscule. It's very small. So I don't lean towards Sasquatch, uh, even during my encounter back in 2011, I didn't see any such thing. I could barely make out the eyes, and I never had that experience. Even though we had a fire going, and I could see basically a little bit of reflection, but not much given the distance and everything else. To me, that's it's pretty phenomenal, those reports where they, they see this stuff. And I, I have to refer back to known animals like owls. I think Barred owls in particular, because they give off the strongest red eye shine, not glow, uh, that, that's the most likely culprit, along with raccoons and possums and other, you know, birds of prey like falcons. There's lots of explanations, but as far as bioluminescence is concerned and eye glow, I don't really, I think it could be explained away. I don't think it would serve Sasquatch any real productive purpose in having this feature, you know, I really just believe that it's due to the size of Sasquatch's eye that they have this, you know, the bigger the eye, the more rod is going to um, collect light. And that's what I think people are witnessing, quite honestly. I don't think it's anything supernatural. You know, it, it, like a bobcat, for example, I mean, they have a lot of rods, you know, light receptors and fewer cones, which are, would be your color receptors in their retinas. And that would provide more light. If you look at a bobcat, they actually have fairly large, and I've seen this at night as well, they have fairly large eyes. And with, with more rods, they're going to collect more light. And so it's going to give off a higher shine. Uh, I think it's, it's very explainable. Lemurs are, are, particularly lemur I'm thinking about, it's a rare exception. 
you know, could Sasquatch be? Sure, but once again, with being here in, you know, having a, an animal that large or something that large, it serves no purpose. It's going to give, give them away, whether they're hunting deer or trying to avoid humans. Ain't going to happen. You're going to see those red eyes everywhere or whatever color, blue, green, as they're reported. You know, we get reports of Sasquatch having a blue glow or a green glow. I mean, it's across the chart, red being the most predominant, think blue or green secondary. And so I just don't see any value or any reason for Sasquatch to have glowing eyes. The lemurs that we're talking about have, I mean, have extremely unusually large eyes for, for a primate. And they, they have, and, and they, the thing that they have that actually causes their eyes to shine is a tapetum lucidum which is not present, it's not in most uh, primates. We don't have it, that, and that's what reflects the light back in their particular eyes. They have these huge, disproportionately large eyes. They are predominant, uh, a nocturnal animal. So if so, say that, that Bigfoot is a primarily nocturnal, nocturnal animal, could they develop something similar? Mm-hmm. What, what do you think? Possibly. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. Po- possibly, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll chime in real quick, and I know Julie's probably got some thoughts on this, but possibly, I mean, it's it's a possibility, but you got to ask what's the difference between a, a lemur and a Sasquatch. What would the purpose be? You know, if you look at Sasquatches, that maybe at one point in time they were not maybe nocturnal. My approach now is that they do a lot of what they do at night. I think they can function in the day as good as night, but given the fact that, they haven't been proven, and that most encounters—not sightings, but encounters—happen at nighttime. My encounter happened at two, you know, roughly two in the morning. I think that's the perfect time for them. They've adapted over time, based on food sources, based on human activity, and a whole multitude of things. They've they've mainly gone nocturnal as a as a, a possibility or a hypothesis. If you look at chimpanzees, something uh, we've touched upon on the show before. When you look at uh, chimpanzees, certain parts of the world, you know, there's, uh, I forget, I think it's Uganda or one of those places in Africa where there's a lot of uh, war going on, a lot of uh, warfare, and the chimpanzee population has been decimated. And, right. Well, they've been decimated, yeah. But because of the, the this human activity, you know, humans mo- mainly fight wars during the day. You know, I mean, when they're out and about, I mean, because we're, we're – we're, we're a daytime creature. Or chimpanzees have adapted to man's recklessness and whatnot to move at night. This certain uh, chimpanzee group and population has now gone from being, you know, regularly day active to nighttime active, where they they move at night. So you got to wonder how has their eyesight? Is their eyesight? And I don't believe there's been a study yet on this, but has their eyesight adapted? to moving at night to avoid man and, and avoid being stuck in a bad situation. You know, it's, it's something I, I contemplate all the time. Is this the same sort of setup that we have with Sasquatch where they at one time were, you know, moving around during the day, but because of, of everything else, just like these chimps are experiencing, have they adapted to nighttime? And what capabilities do they have now? What capabilities do these chimps have now? What capabilities will these chimps have in the future if they continue along this path of, moving around at night. You know, one of the things these chimps do is as they're crossing a road at night or during the day now, they have a lookout. 
and they won't cross the road until it's clear. And the lookout will give them basically the sign that, hey, you can cross this road, and the chimps will follow. They've adapted. They have adapted. And I think Sasquatch is the same. you got the same sort of setup with Sasquatch. Maybe they were always diurnal. Or maybe, maybe they could, you know, always be a nighttime and daytime sort of uh, creature where they can move back and forth. I don't know. But I have to think that, like the chimps, they've maybe moved that direction where nighttime, you know, they got make the best of the best at nighttime. We, we don't function at night. A lot of animals do. We don't. So I have a feeling not- that Sasquatch may be in the same sort of uh, realm there when it comes to maybe adaptation. But I don't believe their eyes glow. I don't think that's uh, something that would serve them. If I get a video back and I see a chimp's eyes glowing in the night, then I'll rethink that. But right now, I haven't seen anything like that. Yeah, and you're talking about the, the function of an eyeball that of the, reflecting light is one thing, projecting light is something completely. It'd be like your ear projecting sound, that it would not, it would not enhance the function of, of that organ. And that's, you know, if you could get, uh, if, if it was a separate function that, that projected light, uh, if it was, you know, a chemical reaction or something that projected light that, that wasn't directly in your eyeball, then maybe. But, you know, like we use headlamps to be able to see in the night. That I, I like the idea that you're talking about, you know, they, and, and how long have they, if they've adapted to avoid humans to become more nocturnal, it doesn't mean that the first generation of, of any species all of a sudden has uh, a, a more developed uh, eyeball for night vision. It's going to take a, a generations of, of that species to incorporate that adaptation into a physical trait. I mean, we actually have better vision at night than, than we think we do once we get out and, and uh, adapt to the darkness. But, but it, isn't, it, isn't, it is far from perfect. You know, we can't run through a dark, completely dark night through all the tangles and, and snags and stuff of, of the woods where there's many reports of Bigfoot moving very quickly through the woods at night. And so is, is it a function of, like the chimpanzees, that avoid learn to avoid man by becoming um, nocturnal or moving mostly at night? And how long... Are we talking about if Bigfoot has exists and and it has decided that it's probably a good idea to avoid man as much as possible? They may this may have been going on for generations where this animal has been has had the opportunity to have some adaptation to their eyes that maybe make them it would it would make sense that they'd be better able to see at night. But the whole idea of projecting light with the, an organ that it, it just doesn't seem, you know, and there's a difference between, again, reflecting light, that's one thing, uh, projecting light, completely different. Right, and I, I know that there is a primate called the tarsier that has very, very large eyes, and it, it does not have the tapetum lucidum that enables, the you know, for you to see at night. Because most of the, the creatures that have eye shine are nocturnal creatures. And these particular primates, they, they're living in Indonesia. They have very, very large eyes. And that was through a, a, a source of evolution because they didn't have the means to see at night. So their eyes became even larger than their brains. And, and that is the way they can see at night. Basically, their, their retinas are entirely covered with rods. 
And what that means is the color vision is bad, but they can see in very dim light. So there you have an example of a primate that, that can see at night but does not have reflective eyes. The, uh, you know, what we're talking about when it comes to eye shine, the capitum lucidum, the tapestry behind the eyeball, the layer of tissue that many animals share, it's something that collects the light. You know, it reflects visible light back through the retina, increasing the light availability, which serves a function for nocturnal creatures especially. Humans don't have this, but carnivores do. So there, there is a purpose there. I think, you know, with Sasquatch's eyes, when you're looking about the size of the head, you know, there was a recreation, and I know you've probably all seen it, that was on a TV show. I know Dr. Meldrum, I think, has a bust of it, of a Sasquatch head, and it's large, and you're looking at the eyes, and the eyes are huge. And when you look at a human eye, I mean, it's quadruple the size of a human eye. You imagine seeing an eyeball out there that's twice, three, four times the size of a human eyeball, and it's looking back at you, the amount of light that uh, it collects, and you're looking back at the reflection of that light, pretty, I would imagine it's pretty extraordinary if, if you get to witness that. But it's not a, it's not a glow. It's the light coming back at you. I think that with Sasquatch, you know, maybe they've always had this capability, as you said, Gunner, possibly, or, or something they've developed over time. But if you're going to be a nocturnal creature, do you want to have really small eyes or do you want to have really large eyes? You're probably going to want larger eyes, especially if you're carnivorous or and omnivorous and whatnot, to find those foods and to forage and to hunt and to collect more light. You're going to, be, you're going to have such a better chance at nighttime, like humans don't, avoiding man and getting around and functioning at night. If you had small little beady eyes for a, for a, a creature of that size, for a Sasquatch per se, it's not going to, you're probably not going to thrive or survive very long. It's an interesting discussion because you do have these reports out there where people reportedly see a glow, but I don't necessarily associate that with Sasquatch. You know, there was another interesting thing that happened to us on an excursion, a Lent Project expedition, several uh, years ago as we were on a really late-night hike. It was probably 12.31 in the morning. We had a small group with us, and we're hiking along, lights out along this trail, going up the side of this mountain, taking our time. It was a little bit treacherous, but we're taking our time. And off to the distance, one of the group members saw some glow. They saw something glowing. And when they mentioned that, I kind of think, huh, yeah, right. But sure enough, up in this tree, quite a distance away and down the valley, was this something glowing. And it was fairly high in the tree. We're in a valley on the side of a mountain and looking down this tree line and at night, lights out, and we see a glow. I thought, well, that is, that is freaking strange. That is weird. I've never seen a glow like that before. And I spent tons of time out in the woods. Never seen a glow like this. It was like almost like a greenish glow. It didn't look like eyeballs. It, it, was, it was glowing. And having gone, uh, spent the time to go down to this location, having people watch some of those individuals hike down there, what it was was a fungus. It was a fungus glowing in the tree. It was a type of uh, mushroom that glows in the dark. I'd never heard of such a thing. I didn't know it existed here in the Pacific Northwest, but it was glowing in the dark. And so, uh, once again, doing due diligence to actually take time to go figure out, you know, rather than speculate, we figured it out. And I think a lot of times with, and I don't blame people. I'm not saying, hey, you see a pair of red eyes, run towards it. Check it out. That's not what I'm getting. <laughs> yeah. <at>. Yeah. <laughs> not what I'm getting at. Sometimes that, not the best thing to do. Opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of of all members of the... 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. I, 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 uh, first of all, I'm always armed when I go out. Not that that'll be my saving grace, but I do, I do reason with myself as to what I'm doing and I approach it cautiously. But at the same time, uh, at this point in the game, I'm going to try and figure out what I'm looking at or what a group's looking at within reason. You know, I'm not going to just walk mm-hmm. up on and, and get right in the mix of something. But, you know, ha- having said that, there is due diligence. How long is someone going to stay there and watch that glow or those eyes or approach it within reason? But I think whether you do it in person or you get online and really vet the snot out of what you're looking at or what the possibilities were. We just did a show on Optum Razor. Perfect example, it's getting down and not just saying, hey, no, that's a Sasquatch or that could be this or that. It's really about getting down and doing your due diligence. And I think most reports nowadays and in the past, when it comes to any sort of eye shine or reported eye glow, if you're not researching it enough and just taking it at face value, well, you're, you can come up with it. I mean, you, why call it a Sasquatch? Why not call it a, a floating alien or call it a ghost? Or, <laughs> it doesn't leprechaun. have to be a Sasquatch every time. Yeah, or a leprechaun. Right. You know, hey, why not? Yeah, Somewhere exactly. Yeah. yeah, I've or seen a lot of a... pictures in some groups of something with eye shine, and, you know, it's always been maybe that was an owl because, you know, you got to think about it. Owls are going to be high in a tree, first of all. They're not going to be down on the ground most of the time. So if you see something with the eye shine, you know, like we saw that time, it, it looked like it was very p- far apart. But when you're in, in the forest at night, it's dark. You don't know how far away it is. You, you can't sit there and guess and say, well, that's probably about 30 feet. I mean, you can kind of get an idea, but unless you know the, the exact, um, the, you know, the way the terrain is from where you're looking at it, because the terrain could go uphill or downhill, and you got to contribute that factor as well. So, you know, it was probably, I would probably think that we saw an owl that time. But because of the terrain, it was a sloped terrain, that, that can give you a whole different perspective of what's looking or. up at you or down at you rather than straight on at you. So, you know, a lot of times people don't take that in consideration and they take a picture and there's these eyes shining, you know, up high and they say, well, that had to have been a Sasquatch. Well, not necessarily because there's a lot of factors that can go into that. Um, Again, like I said, what type of light source is hitting the eyes, from what direction, you know, what direction are they facing? Are they looking up? Are they looking down? You just got to, like you said, Shane, use due diligence and, you know, I always study what type of animals are in the area that I'm in and what color eye shine they have. You know, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of charts online that you can, can look at that will tell you exactly what color eye shine they're going to have. So, you know, if you see uh, orange or you see white or you see green, you, you kind of get an idea of what some of that can be. It allows what you to the... actually do it, do vetting of what, of this kind of evidence, for lack of a better word. Because I, I've seen, I have seen a few videos or pictures online of something of eye shine in, you know, and that, and it's interesting. Sometimes it looks like something peeking behind a tree or, and, mm-hmm. and who's to say that Bigfoot eyes don't have some kind of reflective uh, quality given that they seem to, to have the ability to move at night, you know, pretty mm-hmm. easily. It seems that they've developed that aspect that, and they would have to, if they are going to move at, primarily at night or uh, be able to move at night quickly. And, of course, 
they also hunt, you know, the animals in the woods. So what what does their prey? What is their patterns? It, it seems like they would develop those uh, adaptations that would best suit them to be able to yeah, hunt. And yeah, so but this idea that of uh, for me the glowing eye thing is I, I think it's uh, I, I say caca. It's uh, <laughs> it's, it's just that that you know the idea that a, that a an animal is out there that has eyes that project light to me it just doesn't it's not logical i mean it doesn't make oh, any sense yeah. for the for the pure function of an eyeball that it would interfere with the purpose of the eye you know the right. to be able to see you'd be projecting light and it would it, go go try seeing by shining a light into your eye it doesn't work you you go out and try you have lights shining in your eyes and try to move around in the darkness you you can't um it it's blinding so I always try to differentiate between what people describe as eye shine, reflect the you know the reflectiveness of of a possible eye, eyeball, whatever animal they're looking at, and this idea of eye glow, that where something is independent of any light, that it has a, a glowing aspect to it. And those those right. again those reports are small in number, and so they to me they seem like an anomaly, just like any other odd behavior that people report that doesn't first when you define a behavior or you first go look for examples that already exist in nature and if you can't find any you found the most unique animal in its environment um is it possible i guess i mean it it is possible but it's first let's go find examples that exist of of like animals of the same kind you know do and what julie was talking about is is spot on is how many times have people that report this actually go back and do their uh, a field investigation to check the terrain you know what were you looking up a hillside into a tree you know and and uh, it just and I think 99% of the time you're dealing with somebody who you know who has some kind of re- emotional reaction to seeing uh, some shining eyes at, at night and they're mm-hmm. and yeah there are a small percentage of people that that, yeah, well, and, and and people do get creeped out at night. I I have friends of mine that, that go look for Bigfoot, and, and they talk about how scary it is to be out looking for Bigfoot. So they have this <laughs> mind. They're already freaking themselves out. It's like going and looking for ghosts or, or, or watching <laughs> scary movies. You know, they're going out to do it partly for getting amped up. So you go out in the woods, and you're already amped up, and you're expecting something to happen or or – looking for something to happen, and some, our, our minds will fill in the blanks. Um, yeah. You see something that, that looks is unusual, and, and then you got people that have not spent much time at all in the woods, and they're going out and they see something that they've never seen before because they've not spent time in the woods, and they are, are have Bigfoot on the brain, so, you know, everything's Bigfoot. So they attribute things, yeah. to everything that they see that is unusual to them, to well, I, it must be an, it must be Bigfoot because I've never seen it before, and it's you know I've heard somebody say something that their eyes shine light at night, so I'm seeing it. It must be Bigfoot. That's what we refer to as confirmation bias. You know they have an idea of what they're it's going to be, and they've already arrived at the conclusion before they've done any kind of due diligence, and and they're not and and that to me is not Bigfooting. That's you know that's going out and having some kind of adventure that isn't Bigfoot 
research. It's Bigfoot BS. We try to Bigfoot without the BS. I have a I have a little bit of a theory here. Uh, it's not something I've shared, but something I thought about earlier last year. I, I did a cross country trip to Kentucky, and as I was driving through multiple states from Washington to Kentucky, I noticed something that was it really stuck out in my head. I noticed that no matter what state I was in, there was raccoon bodies on all sides of the road. I mean, just I couldn't believe how many rac- raccoons get hit by cars. I it was kind of floored. I saw raccoon bodies in every state and in some states especially uh you know from montana and back east loads of raccoons dead on the side road now up here in the northwest we get raccoons we get a lot of deer but i saw raccoons predominantly and sometimes every mile i would see i, I was i was talking to my wife was i'm like watch every mile we're going to see a raccoon if not multiple raccoons dead on the side of the road and it got me thinking about how many roadside crossings there are you know people go always ask, well, you know, if, if they're trying to stay hidden, why do they jump in front of a car? And it got me thinking, well, if you have a, a plenitude of natural food there, you've got a dead body, whether it's deer or raccoon, especially raccoon, having seen so many, maybe that's why you have all of these roadside crossings. Well, it got me thinking about this conversation we're having this evening. I've, but I've heard some reports, in fact, a really good one on another podcast, another radio show, where, where uh, someone witnessed a Sasquatch banging a tree, and in this tree, they were banging, and they heard the knocking, and they're watching this, and and uh, a raccoon popped out. And I thought about that for a while, and I thought about, you know, when people are having, if they're having a legitimate Sasquatch encounter in the woods, and they're going through the woods, and, you know, whether you're a researcher or a, a camper that has no interest in Sasquatch, and you're having some really crazy stuff going on, stuff you never experienced before, whether you're an experienced hunter or, or an avid uh, hiker, camper, or someone's out researching, and you're having some, you know, stuff go on, whether it's knocks, rocks being thrown, whatever. And then all of a sudden, as you're exploring or looking around or just staying in your camp, whatever, and you see a pair of red eyes or a pair of eyes, you're automatically in your head, because of a little bit of confirmation bias there, you're going to automatically assume that those eyes have something to do with your possible Sasquatch experience or unknown experience. And I thought about this. I thought, hey, what if Sasquatch is going about its business, if, you, if indeed you're having a, an encounter or experience or whatnot, or you've seen a Sasquatch but not the eyes at the time? What if Sasquatch was actively out hunting, and you just happen to come across a pair of eyes, maybe that's a raccoon. Maybe that's a deer. Maybe Sasquatch is, is out there doing what it's doing, trying to survive, and, and you broke up the party, and now you're associating those pair of raccoon eyes with Sasquatch. You know, I mean, it's a possibility. I know it's kind of, it's kind of out there, but, you know, I, I do believe Sasquatch, for me, I believe that Sasquatch, to survive, I do believe it, it is um, a carnivore, it's omniferous, I think it takes advantage of roadkill if uh, a raccoon's on the tree. Well, smack a tree and get that raccoon down. Wait around that tree. And I think uh, you're going to see at times that some of these encounters, it's just mixing up the two truths. Yeah, there's a Sasquatch there, but it's not it's not got glowing eyes, or you may not even see its, its eyes shine. But what you're seeing is what it's hunting or what it's after, its prey, its quarry, uh, as a possibility. It's something to chew on and think about. Like mm-hmm, I said, my mind was blown at the amount of roadside dead animals, specifically. I know in other states, you know, like in, I believe in Texas, you know, armadillo is a thing and whatnot. But 
where I was driving through, all these states, Idaho, Montana, Omaha, Nebraska, Colorado, I was seeing raccoon after freaking raccoon, and they are so uh, adaptable, and but they're also a very readily eatable uh, resource. I mean, they're there. You know, in fact, in the nesting area that the Lemon Project is working on, there's an abundance of raccoons. In fact, the the uh, tree nest, or supposed tree nest, not a tree nest, actually, it's a, it's a, it's a fungus, I believe, but uh, the raccoons, I believe, are using this tree fungal unit that's growing up in this tree as a burrow. Well, there just happens to be these extraordinarily large nests down below these, um, this tree with this abnormality there. Well, you know what? If I'm a Sasquatch, and as we talked on the show before about the huckleberry being a resource and the fish down in the creek being a resource, well, you know what? Those raccoons at some point have to come down from that tree if, in fact, they are using or living in a tree. At some point, they got to come down. Well, if I park my butt down there long enough, uh, I, I can I can wait them out, and that's a that's a heck of a meal. So, just food for thought when you're out in the woods and you see these eyes, and say you are having a hell of an experience, and you think, you know what, this is could be Sasquatch, and you come across some some weird eyes. Well, think twice about it. Think maybe uh, those eyes that you're seeing, given the circumstance and whatever else is going on, maybe it's Corey. Uh, just a food for thought. Oh, that's food. a good. I get it. That's a good Corey. Well, and there's another piece to that with the OP nest is some of the hairs that were pulled from the nest were not only raccoon hair, but it was that it was dead when it was in the in the nest. So that that's it. That is an, another interesting aspect of that um, that idea. That you know, if I'm a raccoon I, and I see a Bigfoot at the bottom, you know, down, I'm not going down. I'll, I'll wait. Mm. But but you know, that's just me. Food for thought. Food for thought. You know, there's. You know, once again, we're just, as we all are here, approaching the subject matter logically and trying to figure out what are people seeing, what they're experiencing, and why they're seeing what they're seeing and why they're experiencing what they're seeing. I think most of the time, just like Sasquatch encounters, most of them are not Sasquatch encounters. They'd be explained away as many things. And just like with these eyes or the eye shine or eye glow, they're known animals or known things. Like I was explaining the fungus that was glowing in the dark. What I was trying to say there was that with the glowing fungus that we, we encountered in the woods of the Olympics, it was explainable, but at the time it wasn't. You have to you have to vet it and think about it and research it, and you know sometimes you just have to approach it. But a lot of it's explainable at the end of the day. Now, not everything. Trust me, I'm not, I'm not calling anybody a liar. Or not everything's explainable. But when you look at the subject of Sasquatch, you've got to look at what would the purpose of glowing eyes, you know, bioluminescence, what, what purpose would that serve Sasquatch? It, it really wouldn't. It wouldn't serve many animals unless you're deep underneath the ocean. That, that serves a purpose. You know, eye shine? Yeah, there's eye shine. A lot of nocturnal animals have eye shine. It serves a purpose. So just look at it logically. But it's a fascinating topic to explore more, and we'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk more about this mm-hmm. down the road because it's something that I don't think a lot of people really delve into a whole lot. They just kind of take, you know, oh, well, you saw something, or they, you know, especially nowadays with research and researchers and what you see on TV, it's shocking on, oh, that's got to be a Sasquatch. What else does that? Well, no, it, it, a lot of times it's explainable. And like I tell people on the show, I know Sasquatch exists. I'm not refuting that. What I'm refuting is some of the supposed known facts around the existence of Sasquatch. The research would have been, or, or Sasquatch would have been proven to exist a long time ago if a lot of what people are saying online and, and on the news were true, and it's just not. I agree. 
Julie, you have any closing thoughts? you got to consider all the things that could be out there at night. And most of the things out there at night are you know, nocturnal and have the capability to have eye shine. So, like I said before, the, one of the most important things to do is to know what animals are in the area, study the eye shine charts, memorize it, and you can you know, do yourself a large favor by process of elimination. Right. Again, it comes back to quoting our good friend Shelley Covington, Montana, Bigfoot last. When you go out and you're, you're having, if you're doing actual Bigfoot research, you have the obligation of vetting your evidence. And this, that includes things like eyeshine. So always approach the way to approach it is Bigfoot last. You know, just because you can't explain it doesn't mean that it, that it is automatically becomes Bigfoot. Well, we're running out of time. We're up against the clock. I do want to remind folks to check out our brand-new membership, uh, Monster Exclusive. You can check it out on our website. It's www.monsterxradio.com. You'll see the button that says Get Exclusive. All kinds of, of new shows in inside of there, including several uh, encounter shows, and we just added a brand-new one from the the folks that were on Naked and Afraid that had some really weird stuff happen, um, a really good interview. Of course, um, Thomas Seawood and Sasquatch Island is in there, and Bigfoot Biometrics, where we look at the science behind Bigfoot, as well as field reports, which we're, we're building those as we go out into the field. We'll, we'll be taking notes in the video and, and audio, depending on what's appropriate, given an investigation. We're, we're building this all for you. I do want to thank the folks that have, have already joined us. They're enjoying it. Uh, we're having, we have a private Facebook group for members, and uh, we're over there chatting with our, our members um, on a regular basis and sharing stuff. So I really appreciate those that have, have chosen to join us already. We look forward to having fun with you and building out exclusive, basically for our members, and you're going to tell us what you want, and we're going to go do it for you. So for my co-host, Mr. Shane Hardcore Corson and Julie Wrench. This is Gunnar Monson. Again, thanks everybody for listening to Monster X Radio. We'll have a new episode for you next Sunday. Thanks. <laughs>